Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. Well, Happy New Year, Active Church. It's such a gift to have you join us today. My name is Mike. I serve as the lead pastor, and I want to be the first to welcome you to 2022. It's a new year, which means a new start, maybe a new beginning, maybe new opportunities for you and for me. A lot of us are thinking about how we can move forward. What's the next right step? There's a lot of energy around the new year, and that's a good place to be. Maybe you're like me and you're thinking about last year or maybe the last two years and you're wanting to forget it all. You're wanting to put it behind you. You're wanting to not have it be brought up again. And sometimes that's good, but sometimes it's not so good. And when it's not so good, it's because of those moments that maybe we participated in or those moments that our family participated in that we inherited that are not so healthy and not so holy. And if we ignore those things, If we don't see those things and deal with those things, eventually those things show up in our present and they influence our future. And we have to deal with it, right? A lot of us have families that have these generational patterns and narratives and some are really good and some are really healthy and they should be celebrated. But some of us have family generational patterns that aren't so good and they're not so healthy and we should deal with them. We can't ignore them anymore. And if we want this year to be a year of hope, we have to face those things. We have to break the cycle. My my wife is my best friend, and this year we're going to celebrate 20 years of marriage. And she's really great at holding me accountable to our better story. There are some things that will show up in me and around me that she's got to call out because she doesn't want me to keep repeating the past mistakes And so there are moments where I might say something or I might do something and my wife will come to me and she'll say, Michael, your frish is showing. And it's a good moment for me to reset and it's a good moment for me to recalibrate and it helps me to step into what it is that God has for me. Now, this is important for us and I think it's important for all of us because we need to break the cycle. And my wife doesn't bring up those things in my story and bring things up in our story so that she can bash me or bash our family or blame me or blame our family. She brings those things up because we don't want to repeat the cycle. We want to break the cycle. And I'm thinking that maybe you do as well, which is why starting today, we're beginning a new conversation called Break the Cycle because we want to move into this new year with hope and with joy and not baggage, and not unforgiveness. We want to move into this new year, stepping into what God has for us. So starting today and over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the things that need to be broken in us so that we can step into what God has prepared for us, the new thing that God is creating for us. And for clarity, we're not having this conversation so that we can bash our families or so that we can put blame on them. When we do those things, we actually create what are called not goals. You ever heard of a not goal? A not goal is when you choose to not be like them, not be married like them, not parent like them, not serve like them, not love like them. A not goal keeps you focused on your past. And when you create a not goal, you 
carry what's happening in the past into your present and it does shape your future. We don't wanna create not goals. We wanna break the cycle because breaking the cycle is choosing to be what God created you and me to be. So we'll talk about our families and we'll talk about us. We'll do a deep dive into our family history, but we'll do a deep dive into us. We'll talk about the addiction past that we might have. We'll talk about how we wrestle with division in our family and in our world. We'll talk about the toxicity of our relationships and maybe our emotions and even our religious practices. And we're going to choose to break the cycle because it's important for us if we're going to tell better stories. And I want to tell a better story. I want this year to be more hopeful and more helpful and more joyful. And I'm thinking that maybe you want that as well. But today we're going to get started. We're going to talk about how to get started in breaking the cycle. And it's found actually in a very ancient true story in the scriptures. There's a decision that a man named Abram makes that changes everything for him and for the whole world around him. And it could change everything for you. Now, when we first meet Abram, that's his name, but you might know him as Abraham. But his story is powerful and it will lead us to breaking the cycle of the things that we don't want from last year in this year. And so if you have a Bible with you or if you have the Bible app on your phone, I wanna invite you to turn to the document of Genesis. And we're gonna be in chapter 12 and we're gonna start in verse one. And as you're turning there, let me set the scene for you because this moment didn't just happen. This moment was a collection of moments, messy moments that built to Genesis chapter 12. Like the moment that is in Genesis chapter four, for example, where two brothers have this animosity towards each other. One brother is jealous of the other brother. It's Cain and Abel. And Cain doesn't like his brother. And so he brings him out to the field and murders him. It's this heavy moment. It's this like shocking moment. But Cain doesn't like his brother. And so he takes his life. And then there's another moment that influences where we're going. It's in Genesis chapter six. It's the story of a man named Noah who has this big family and he lives in a very messy world. And because that world is so messy, a flood comes because the people were mistreating each other. The people were not kind to each other and therefore were unfaithful to God. And so we read in this story, this true story, that the consequence of their unfaithfulness to God was this flood. And then there's one more story that influences where we're going today. And that's in Genesis chapter 11. It's the story of the Tower of Babel, where men and women got together to build this giant tower to do two things. One, they believed if they got high enough into the heavens, it would force the gods of the heavens down to earth. But then they also believed that they would become gods on earth. I'm sharing these stories with you because where we're about to go and what we're about to talk through is a situation that maybe you can relate to. Things were hard. Things were messy. There was a lot of chaos and a lot of people just felt like it's not going to get better. We have a phrase for that in our world today. Maybe you've said it. Maybe you've heard it. The phrase is this, looking at what's happening around you and you just go, eh, it is what it is, right? It's just going to always be like this. There's no hope for hope. And so it is what it is. Everybody's doing what their family has taught them to do. And this is when we meet Abram. And this is when we enter into his story 
And this is when we discover that one decision that helped him to break the cycle and could possibly help you to get started in breaking the cycle in your family as well. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse one, reads this way. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all of the people on earth will be blessed because of you. So Abram left as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now there's a couple of things that we got to talk about, but the first thing that I want to talk about here is Abram. Again, when we know about Abram, we know him as Abraham, right? And if you're a good Christian kid, you know that he's father Abraham who had many sons and many sons had father Abraham. There's a whole song about that, right? But when we get introduced to Abraham, he's actually just known as Abram. It was God that actually changes his name because God changed him. But when we're first introduced, he's just this guy and he's not well known. He's actually a nobody from nowhere. The only reason why he's known is because of his dad, His dad is Terah. Now, the writer of Genesis tells us this in Genesis chapter 11, verse 26. He says that Terah is the father of Abraham. Here's why, really another reason why you can trust the scriptures, by the way. Abraham is well known in three separate religions, and we know him from the story that's told in the scriptures. But before that, we know Abram from his dad. And even though the Bible doesn't talk much about Terah, Jewish history does. And they affirm that Terah was a real person who really lived and he had a real son named Abram. And what we learn in Jewish history is that Terah is a idol maker. So he would make idols for all of the gods that the people believed in. And because he took his business so serious, he was an idol worshiper. And this is the home that Abram was raised in. He grew up in, which means that when God, Yahweh, the one true God, shows up and invites Abram into a better story, Abram could possibly have responded this way. Which God are you? Because he would be aware of all the gods because his dad was an idol maker. And so Abram would have had that question, which God are you? And this wouldn't be foreign because during that time, every person and every tribe had a specific God, which they called their own, which means, by the way, that business was really good for Terah and really good for Terah's family. And yet this God does something very different. He picks Abram out of everybody. And he says to him, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And all of the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This God, Yahweh, Jehovah, shows up and speaks to an idol maker's son named Abram. And he says that you are going to be a blessing to the world because of me. And this kid was raised in a mess. His family was a mess and the circumstances around him were a mess. Remember the murder and remember the flood and remember the tower? All of that influenced Abram's story. And yet, 
even though he was living in a mess, God showed up and promised him that this mess could potentially be a powerful message. And that was life-giving because everybody during that time was living in a mess. And they all had hope that maybe it wouldn't be messy like this all of the time, but they had just settled with this reality, that it is what it is, that this is how it's always going to be, and nothing would ever change. But again, this invitation was very different. It was different because the tribes during that time and the people during that time would prioritize themselves, and they would prioritize the preservation of their own tribe. In fact, most tribes would identify with a god, and if they had issue with another tribe, it would be as if their gods were going to war. And then if you had victory, they wouldn't take credit for the victory. They would give their god credit for the victory. And everything that they would do in that victorious moment, they would actually give their god credit. This is why, by the way, when you read the Old Testament, if you've ever spent any time in the Old Testament, you see people giving God credit for a win in battle because that's what everybody did. And this is also why when you see the people of God like wiping out their enemies, the men, the women, and the children, and taking their lives, this is also why they announced that God told them to because everybody did that. And, and it's also why when you read some of these things, it feels so foreign. Because you and I live on the other side of the birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. We live on the other side of this question, what does love require of us? But in the Old Testament, what they were used to is that everybody just lived this way. And so when they did some things that seemed so tragic and terrible, they would say, well, God, let us, because this is what everybody did during that time. Like, for example, the story of David and Goliath, where David fights Goliath with a slingshot and some rocks. He kills Goliath, but then they, they just destroy the Philistines, David and the entire Israelite army. And they say, well, this is because God wanted us to do this. Now, I share all of that with you because I want you to understand the context of this invitation from God, the one true God, to Abram. When he says to Abram, I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be a blessing. All of the nations destroy one another. All the nations are at war. All the nations slaughter and kill, but not your nation, Abram. This nation is going to bless all of the people on earth because of you and because of what I do through you. This tribe is going to be different. This tribe is going to exist not for itself, but for others. And this idea was radical. It was life-giving. But the problem was is that it took a while for it to catch on. And if again, you've spent any time in the Old Testament, you would see that it did take a while for it to catch on. And if I'm honest, it's still taking a while for it to catch on. Because the people of God sometimes struggle with understanding that the priority of life is not to focus on themselves, but to focus on those that God has placed in front of them, to serve God as we serve others. And the reason why we struggle with it is because self-preservation, and for them, tribal preservation, was their highest value. Which means that no matter how many times they heard this promise and read this story and told this story to their families, no matter how many times they heard about the blessing and that they were going to be a blessing, it was difficult because it was 
antithetical to what they were taught, what they were raised in. And this is not something that was a part of their regular rhythm. Maybe this is why change is so difficult. Not because the decisions to make change are overwhelming, but because we're having to choose a different direction and a different rhythm. Maybe this is why change in family is so difficult, because you don't want to be disrespectful to the patriarch or the matriarch of the family, right? Maybe this is what a lot of people were wrestling with in the time that God came to Abram and invited him into something else. Maybe a lot of people during that time just looked at everything and went, well, it is what it is. But yet again, in in the midst of all of that, there's something bigger and better and more beautiful that was available. And God gives this opportunity to Abram to lead this beautiful story that God wants to write in us and through us. And it wasn't a story that was just personal to Abram, although it would personally change him. It was a story that would change the entire world. And I read this story. You know what it does? It gives, it gives me hope that maybe the cyclical stories in my family history don't have to continue. And maybe perhaps it gives you hope that those same stories don't have to continue in you, that pain and addiction and toxicity and emotional trauma doesn't have to continue, especially in this new year, that maybe, maybe in amongst the mess, there are actually better ideas about how we can tell the story of God, how we can serve people and love people and bless people and be generous to people. By the way, this is everything that God taught his people from the very beginning. Like, for example, did you know that in the Old Testament, there are commands of God that are very different than what people actually believed about what God would do and what God would say? Like, like for example, in the middle of war, God commands that you care for the widows and the orphans and the refugees. It's in the document of Deuteronomy. That's what he commanded his people to do. Care for those who are not as privileged as you. For those that have had great loss, care for them. Did you know that in the midst of division, God commands that you leave the corner of your field unharvested so that the poor can have something to eat? That's in the document of Leviticus. It was written to the Levites or the priests or the pastors to teach the people. Did you know in the midst of nationalism, when people would prioritize the nation over the kingdom of God, that God commanded that you should set people free from slavery. It's an exodus where you would not take advantage of those who were less fortunate. You would not marginalize people. And did you know that in the midst of selfishness, God commands that you should love your neighbor. Again, that's in the document of Leviticus. Here's what you find when you read the scriptures. And this might be really helpful for those of you that are really searching out the story of Jesus. What you find in the Old Testament specifically are stories that accurately reflect the dominant narrative, philosophies, thoughts, worldviews of that day. And then what you also find within that context are better stories and new ways forward about freedom and equality and justice and compassion and love that God has announced that God brings and God says to Abram, we're going to do on earth through you. It's like these ideas are 
sitting side by side with each other and the new ideas are a critique of the old ideas that are unhealthy and unholy. And God is saying there is a better story and there is a better way and you can have hope that God is going to do something that might seem impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. Look what God can really do. And from the story, what can God really do? He can invite the son of an idol maker to be a part of bringing hope and blessing God's grace and peace to the world. And so what does this idol maker son do? The writer of Genesis tells us in verse four that after hearing this invitation, Abram left. He left everything that he knows. He left everything that was comfortable and convenient. He left his hometown. He left his family because he believed in the possibility of a better story. Abram believed this God was not just some God, but the God. That all of these idols that he's lived around forever, he saw his dad create the idols. He knew their stories weren't true. But this God, this was the one true God. His invitation, man, it felt different. His words stirred him up. And this this thought of being a nation that would be a blessing to the world, that drew him in. And what Abraham decides is to leave what he knows and he chooses what he doesn't know. And get this, what he doesn't know is God. He knows about all these other gods, but he doesn't know God. But in that moment, he decides to take him at his word. Now, let's be honest. It seems a bit unreasonable It seems a bit illogical. It seems a bit irresponsible, right? And here's why we feel that. Because we like to stick with what we know, even if what we know doesn't allow us to grow. We gotta stick with what we know. This is what we know. This is what I was taught. This is what I've learned. This is what my education says. And the reason why we look at Abram, we're like, dude, you're a fool, is because we like to stick with what we know, even if it doesn't allow us to grow. But not Abram. He decided to leave everything that was comfortable and convenient and trust in the one true God so that he could be a blessing and ultimately God could bless the world. And that leads us to the decision that begins to break the cycle and the decision that you and I can make that can do the very same thing in our stories. You ready? Verse four reads this way. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. Abram's decision to say yes to God. Your way over my way. Your direction over my direction. Your kingdom over my kingdom. Here's what I've been taught. Here's what I know. Here's what dad said. Here's what mom said. Here's what grandma and grandpa said. Here's what I've learned for years. And yet I'm going to put that aside. I'm going to surrender that to you because I believe that maybe perhaps your way is the best way. And the reason why he said yes is because no other God behaved this way. No other God came and said, let's be a blessing to the world. All of the other gods were gods that you had to please and were gods that you had to prove yourself to, but not the one true God. And the reason why Abram said yes is because this was irresistible. This was attractive. He was going to be a blessing to the world. 
And he was going to do what was different than what his family had taught him. He was going to break the cycle. His dad was an idol maker. And his family was raised in this. And Abram could have done the exact same thing. But he said, no, I'm going to say yes to God and choose to break the cycle. And my friend, in 2022, as we get ready for this year, you can say yes to God too. It's you choosing to trust that God will keep his promises. It's you choosing to be confident that what God says, he will actually do. And when it gets hard, he will be faithful to you and you'll have a chance to be faithful right back. It's you, when you say yes, it's you choosing the right way, the righteous way, the way of obedience that's found through surrender and dependence on God. This is you choosing the narrow way, the way that most people don't choose. It's you saying yes to God inviting you into something that's going to need you to be courageous and cause you to ask for his strength. And Abram knew that. He decided to say yes. So can you. You can decide to listen to the words of God. The life-giving, world-changing, heart-transforming words of God. And listen, here's, here's the privilege that we have that Abram didn't. We get to see the world after the resurrection of Jesus. And so what can God do? Man, anything's possible. And so when you say yes, keep that in mind as you think about what needs to be broken in the story of your family and maybe in the story of you. Where do we need to break the cycle? Now, one more, one more thought, and then I want to pray for you. And the last thought is this. Perhaps you are arguing with me right now as you watch or listen. Maybe your argument is like, listen, it sounds great. And you're excited about this conversation. It's not the whole conversation. It's just the start. But you might say, it sounds great. But maybe you started to eliminate yourself from this hopeful story because you've said, well, I've just done too much. Or there's too much time that has passed. Maybe my kids can break the cycle, but I can't. I'm I'm too old. Listen, one final line from the story of Abram in Genesis 12 that I think was left in there as a little nugget to remind us that it's never too late to get started. At the end of chapter 12, verse 4, the writer tells us this. Abram was 75 years old when he set out. He wasn't a kid, wasn't a teenager, He wasn't in his 20s or his 30s or his 40s and full of energy. He was 75 years old when he decided to leave everything that he knows and trust God and say yes to God. You can too. This is the start. This is the moment where you trust in the God of hope because the God of hope gives you the courage to break the cycle. And breaking the cycle starts with you saying yes to God. This is the start, and I'm looking forward to our conversations over the next few weeks because it's time to break the cycle. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this invitation to Abram, and thank you that we have the same invitation today. It's one that we can say yes to, so give us the courage and the strength and the energy and the wisdom 
to say yes. Because it's time. It's time for us to break the cycle. The mess ends with us. And the message begins with us. So may we break the cycle and may this year be better than last year in Jesus' name. And together we say amen and amen and amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. in Yukaipa. See you next time.